Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello and welcome back to a brand new episode of Live Your Personal Best. Today's conversation, we are highlighting another athlete doing really cool things. Back in November when I had Jacob Perkins on, he's an Olympic athlete talking about how he's trying to bring new sports to the Winter Olympics. I decided it's really cool to hear about what different athletes in different spaces and fields are doing. So today we are joined by Josh Matthew, and he is an ultra endurance trail runner. And what I love about his story is he's a running coach, a nutrition coach, but with his own personal journey, he went out to hike the John Muir Trail and didn't accomplish it the first time, didn't accomplish it the second time, finally went out and decided not only to hike it, but then to run it the third time and completed it. So not only is he on here today to talk you through his accomplishment and get motivation from his journey, but he also shares great tips, you know, from him being a coach on how to apply it to challenges in your own life, different outlooks to use, and also what changes he made from, you know, struggling through the first two times then being able to do it as such a big accomplishment the third so i think that you're going to love this episode and get a ton out of it so make sure you are subscribed for this episode and all future episodes make sure to send it to a friend and with that let's get started what's up and welcome to the live your personal best podcast this is the place where i help current and former athletes like you to show up confidently in the gym and in life i'm your host emily kaufman a former Division I athlete and author of Elite to Everyday Athlete. I'm going to show you how to stay motivated in reaching your goals and how to have more fun doing it. So let's sweat it out and start living your personal best. Today we are joined by Josh. He's the owner of One Ten Performance, an endurance coaching resource for athletes of all ages and abilities. He's an ultra endurance athlete and has completed the 200 plus mile John Muir Trail in under a week, which he's on to talk to us about today. Josh, I'm so excited that you're joining us. I am really excited to be here. I love talking about this stuff. Uh, so yeah, throw anything you want at me. Let's dive in. Awesome. Well, I know kind of like what you do now and that you're this ultra athlete, but I'm always interested on how people get here um, and your background before being this ultra athlete. Have you always been a runner? Have you always been an athlete? Like, Tell us more about like leading up to this. That is a great question. Um, and no, the easy answer is no, I was not always an, an endurance athlete. In fact, far from it. I grew up as a baseball player and a Husky baseball player. My, it's always funny when I say I was 
fat or overweight or husky in front of my mom because she always defends my little kid. You know, she says, no, you weren't. You were just big boned. But, you know, I was I was chunky, uh, but I was a good athlete. And when and being chunky wasn't on my radar at all. You know, it's just who I was. And then unfortunately, like a lot of people, when I got to high school, then it became a thing because people started to notice it and point it out and make fun of me. And then I was like, oh, is something wrong with me? Which is sad, but it it did help make me who I am because I used that as motivation to make myself a better baseball player because I started running and I started lifting weights and I started eating better. And I would just, you know, I had no plan. This was in 1993. It's not like I had a run coach or a nutritionist. I just decided I'm going to walk out my front door and I'm going to run up this hill and I'm going to sprint and then I'm going to run home, you know, and it was like 20 minutes or half an hour. But I would motivate myself the way, you know, most 14 year old uh, kids probably do. Like, you know, if if I make it in 30 seconds, then Jennifer Jones likes me, uh, you know, that that kind of thing. And I would just do that every day. And I, I started lifting and I started feeling better in my body. And I started to see, oh, when you do this, this happens. And, you know, the next year I was one of the faster kids on the team and it definitely improved my performance. And then girls started to notice me and I thought, oh, there's there's something here. Um, and that kind of kicked off my love for what I started to do professionally. You know, I'm a nutritionist. I'm a personal trainer. I'm a run coach. I'm a performance coach mentally and physically. And I really became deeply passionate about what it does for us when we push the boundaries of what we believe we're capable of you know, kind of the crucible of sport and discomfort and discomfort in sport. Uh, I love that. So the long answer to your question is I was a baseball player and then uh, I kind of didn't do anything for a little while. I played like some adult baseball. I decided not to play in college because I was burnt out. Uh, but then I met my current wife, who is a incredible badass Ironman triathlete and triathlon coach. And I realized very quickly, like, if I want to be with this woman, I am going to have to level up my game. I, I, I can't just kind of like go jog for three miles. I'm going to have to step it up. So the very first date we had, she invited me to run 13 miles. And my longest run up to that point was like three miles. But I said, sure, because I wanted to spend time with her. So I somehow managed to keep up with her. We, I think it was like a recovery run. But I couldn't walk for a week, but it was worth it because we are still together. So I became a triathlete and then a longer triathlete. And then I became a, a trail runner and then a really long distance trail runner and a fast packer. And that's kind of where my love is. So it's it's been a really long journey from uh, not an endurance athlete at all to, to an endurance athlete. And it's it's not over. I mean, that's that's a, a long process. And I'm not the best, but it's it's fun. I love what I learn about myself and about life when I'm out there. Yeah. And what I love about yours, too, is, you know, it didn't jump just right from baseball now to ultra running. But you said, you know, you tried these million different things in between and triathletes and trail runs and like all this stuff. And so I always love, you know, from like an athlete perspective when it's not just like, oh, like this one career is over and then you're done. But you're able to find like all these different passions within the athletic space. Yeah. 
And for me, they all kind of funnel to the same source. Like I, I happen to love trail running. It really makes my soul sing. But I've learned so much about myself in all of these different athletic pursuits. And, you know, it's all about who am I? How do I want to move through the world? What can I learn about myself doing this, whatever, this workout, this event? And what does finding my limits and pushing myself in this event mean for the rest of my life? How does that translate when I want to start a business or when I'm doing, when I have to have an uncomfortable conversation with my spouse or whatever? Like, that's really what I have fallen in love with is endurance sport and all sport, I think, is really a crucible to find out who we are and what we're made of and to to round our edges a bit and work on ourselves in a controlled environment that translates, you know, kind of across the board. Uh, so I love that in my own life and I love helping people explore that also. Yeah, that's awesome. And then, you know, the part of your story that always stuck out to me was the accomplishment of the John Muir Trail. So for the listener that doesn't know what that is, it's this over 200 mile trek in California. It averages about three weeks for people to complete. And I know, Josh, that you completed it in like six days and a few hours. So I would love to know like your mindset on like how you chose that trail. How did you choose this as like being your thing to tackle um, and like how long that process took? Sure. I, I love talking about this. This was kind of the defining moment of my life. I would say this is this kind of propelled me to, yes, this is who I am. This is what the human spirit is capable of. And this is what I want to help people touch, you know, whether it's the John Muir Trail or their own version of the John Muir Trail. Um, so I was a baseball player. I was a backpacker. I started backpacking when I was seven. I'm so thankful that my dad took me out there. I can't believe my mom let him take me out there because this is two weeks, me and my dad and my uncle and my uncle's friend. And we're just in the backcountry above Mammoth, Cascade Valley for two weeks, you know, like catching uh, trout with ladybugs and drinking coffee and just messing around. So I'm so glad that my mom trusted my dad to take me out there and that my dad had the idea to take me out there at seven because I really fell in love with the natural world. Like that is my jam. That's my place. That's where I feel the most connected and alive. Uh, I just love it. So I was a backpacker my whole life since I was seven. And then in my late teens, early 20s, uh, I had this idea. It would be fun to backpack the whole John Muir Trail because that was kind of my backyard. You know, I grew up in Southern California and then Northern California and the JMT, as it's colloquially, colloquially known, um, runs from the base, the uh, Valley of Yosemite to the top of Mount Whitney, 211 miles to the top of Mount Whitney, but then you have to get down to the parking lot. So that's basically 223 miles. It goes over 11 passes, I think, maybe 12 passes. You know, the highest one is Mount Whitney, which is the highest point in the continental United States, which is over 14,000 feet. So you're going up and down and over and up and down and over for 223 miles through amazing, gorgeous, beautiful terrain. John Muir called it the range of light. And that's really descriptive and a wonderful, accurate description because it's just, you know, peaks and crags and it looks like, you know, Lord of the Rings. It's just so big and vast and beautiful. Uh, and it really is like God's country. It's so magnificent out there. You just feel small in a, in a great way. Uh, so anyway, I 
decided to backpack it in my early 20s with no real plan, no real training. I just thought, oh, this will be fun. I'm a backpacker. I'll go do it. And I got out there. And after a couple of days, it got hard and it was raining the whole time and there were mosquitoes and I was uncomfortable and I was lonely, of course. Right. Like, but I had no plan for that. And the negative self-talk started and I just pretty quickly talked myself off the trail, you know, and I, if you've ever quit anything, most of us have quit something. Um, I really recognize it now in other people when they start to talk about things that are hard, you know, if you let that little sliver of doubt in your brain just jumps on it and finds so many other rational sounding reasons to quit, right? Like, oh, you know, I've done what I've come for. Uh, I need to get home and work. And, you know, my family misses me, all these things that sound real, but are just excuses. Um, so I talked myself right off the trail and I quit. And then a couple of years later, I did the same thing with even worse preparation. Um, and I made it like another day, but the exact same thing happened. I was lonely. I was tired. It hurt. It was hard. And I had no mental preparation for what do I do when that happens? And then I talked myself off the trail again at a different place. And my poor girlfriend had to drive five hours to come pick me up. And it's like, what the heck? I thought you were going to be out here for a couple of weeks. So then fast forward, you know, 10 years or something. I built a couple businesses. I'd done Ironman. I was a different person, a different athlete. I'd grown a lot, but I still felt that trail whispering to me in my quiet moments. Like, dude, you you haven't beat me yet. Like, if if you really think that you're, you know, if somebody who can accomplish things, uh, maybe you should actually accomplish me and finish what you started. So I decided, and this was very intrinsic, right? It was very internal. I didn't feel like I had to prove anything to any other person. I felt like I wanted to prove something to myself because I kind of had this story growing up that I'm a quitter, that when it gets hard, I quit things. Now, looking back, I don't know how true that is, but that is what I felt. Deep down, I felt like I need to prove to myself that I don't fold when it gets hard. So instead of backpacking it, I decided to run it or to to run it, to go as fast as I could. You know, it's at high altitude, it's up hills. I was be I would be carrying some weight. I didn't think I'd be able to run the whole thing, but I wanted to move as fast as I could. Now we would call that fast packing, you know, moving through the wilderness as quickly as you can, some running, some hiking, uh, some walking, some power hiking. So this time, though, I trained for it really long, you know, six, eight, 10 months physically. And the most important thing, I created a, a mental, emotional, spiritual training plan. So I, I did visualization that uh, was really powerful and helpful. I practiced positive self-talk, you know, kind of noticing when I would get negative, catch it and replace it with a positive affirmation. Uh, I would... Think about, okay, when this gets hard and I'm uncomfortable and I'm tired and I'm lonely, what am I going to do in those situations? So I really practiced the mental training. Uh, and when I got out there, all of those things happened. It was hard and it was uh, uncomfortable, but I was definitely in a different place and I could tell that I was more prepared. And, you know, really tough stuff happened. A bear stole my food on the first night, which then later, a few days later, I, I thought my leg was broken. 
And I started to spiral and get really negative. And I just decided, you know what? I can't do anything here. I'm 50 miles from the closest trailhead. All I can do is go to sleep and figure it out in the morning. And it felt better in the morning. And it snowed on me. And I thought I was going to die because it got so cold. And I was underprepared with the warm stuff. So all, all of these things happened that you expect to happen when you're doing 220 miles. You know, something's going to go wrong. That's one of the things I love about long stuff is something's going to go wrong and you have to figure out what you're made of. Uh, so anyway, the mental preparation and the physical preparation paid off and I was able to do it in six days, which is not a speed record. That wasn't my goal. My goal was to prove something to myself. And it was an incredible journey. It was 10 years ago now. This summer, it'll be 10 years ago. Uh, and it, it really, I really felt like I had touched this, the power of the human spirit. And I got really excited about helping other people touch that also. Yeah, so it was, it was very, very worthwhile. Uh, and I think, again, doing your own John Muir Trail is totally life affirming and absolutely worth it. Yeah, I love that. I love hearing you talk about it and, you know, hearing people like, work through their accomplishments um but something interesting that I noticed is you mentioned like the first two times that you went out how it was like very lonely and isolating and that's kind of the parts that you were struggling with did you ever think to have like a training buddy with you on the last time that you went or bring anyone along or you were just like no this is like such a personal journey of mine that's a great question I've never been asked that question it did not occur to me I think Well, for a couple of reasons. At the time, I didn't really have anybody in my life that I think would do that with me or could do that with me. Now I have a few people. In fact, I met one of my best friends on the John Muir Trail and we now do do crazy stuff together. Yeah, he was there that night. The bear stole my food. He helped me shoo the bear away. Now it's a lifelong friendship. Now it's a lifelong friendship. So anyway, back to your question. It did not really occur to me to have somebody else there. I think mostly because... It would have felt like cheating in just in that I wanted to prove something to myself. And part of what makes it hard for me or made it hard for me was being alone. And I wanted to have to grapple with uh, being resilient and self-reliant and independent by myself. Like when this happens, what am I going to do without having my dad to support me or my wife to support me? Uh, I think there is great power in finding other people to paddle the boat with you. In fact, I just posted something yesterday on Facebook about that. Like, I really think it is strength, not weakness to ask for help and to achieve success together with somebody else or some other more than one person like a team. I think that uh, is a great source of strength. So nothing against that at all. But in this regard, I wanted to put myself out there and make myself as uncomfortable as possible and find out what I was made of. Yeah, that's awesome. And then you're able to, you know, accomplish it at the end. And another thing too, that you mentioned, that I think was really interesting is talking about like, this was like the long game or like a long goal, you know, when it was like really cold that one night, you never had like the option of just like getting up and leaving. Um, And I think that's kind of what I'm trying to figure out for myself too, is like, you know, in my athletic career, you know, you were like fully committed versus now that I'm just like, oh, I work out and I'm a fitness enthusiast, but I don't have that goal. It's really easy for me a lot of times to kind of like cut it short and be like, well, let's end this workout early because, you know, I'm not like 
committed into something. Um, so I think that you mentioning, you know, having like this long endurance thing uh, helped you with that. Yes, great point. And that is actually one of my favorite parts about having this big audacious goal. Like if I'm training for a hundred mile race, well, there's two things, right? Like what you said, it's cold, it's snowy, but I have no choice. I can't go somewhere else. Like I have to deal with it. So I like that about just being out there in the middle of nowhere is you have no other options. And that is great to put yourself in obviously safe and controlled as possible places, but with no options, because then you have to do it. I like that. But I also like the longer game of if I'm training for a hundred mile race, I don't have the option of not running for three hours today because then I will not be prepared for that hundred mile race. So having really big goals keeps you motivated every single day when you're in the grind of the training. Now I happen to have fallen in love with the grind of the training. I'm at the point in my athletic career where I, I don't even need the races. I just love the training. And I think most people get there, not everybody, but most people who do an endurance sport at least, and maybe even resistance exercise, maybe I would say probably most athletes if you get to a certain point and are in it long enough, fall in love with the daily chopping wood and carrying water. And that's why you do it. But to your point, having a really big goal takes your options away. I can't not get up and not run because then I won't be prepared. So it just, it really keeps you on track. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that point. That makes me kind of reevaluate my goals. I'm like, maybe I should think bigger. That will help me a little bit. Well, and it keeps you motivated, right? Like the way I said, it kind of sounds like, oh, I don't want to get up. I have to go run three hours. That's not my experience at all. It, it's, it's, it's the, it keeps the uh, flame burning. It keeps the, the fire lit uh, just without me even really thinking about it. I just know that's on the horizon. That's why I do this. It gets me up in the morning. It juices me. It really adds flavor and texture and color to the rest of my life. Um, even when I'm not doing athletic things, you know, it's a really big piece of my identity uh, and my experience of the world and my place in it. Uh, and I, I highly recommend exploring that even if you're not interested in, you know, running long distances, I highly recommend exploring your athletic identity uh, because I think there's extreme value in it. You know, one of one of my books, I'm a, also a writer. My second book is called I Athlete. And it's about how we all have an athlete inside of us just waiting to be unleashed. And when we do that, it kind of supercharges the rest of our life. And I, I really believe that no matter what kind of an athlete you want to be and no matter what your past journey with athletics is, you know, your body was made to run and jump and climb. And that's that's in your DNA even if you've never done that before. And exploring that and untapping into it uh, adds so much value to your life and you learn so much about yourself. Uh, I, I highly recommend uh, exploring that if you have not. And if you've only explored it a little bit, maybe explore it more. Or if you're like you, you've explored it a lot, but only in one way, uh, maybe dive into to a whole other part of your athletic journey. Yeah, I love that because not something that you just do once. So you can definitely kind of like reevaluate that athletic identity, which is a great suggestion. And then 
you know, you mentioned you're an author. You wrote an entire book about this John Muir Trail uh, in the footsteps of greatness. So clearly you had some takeaways from this. I would love to hear some of your like big like aha moments when you're on the trail or like how you kind of use any of the things you learned there in your life now. Great question. Yeah. So I already kind of mentioned when I got toward the end, I was, you know, a couple hundred feet from the top of Mount Whitney, at which point I was going to be the highest thing in the whole continental United States, which is pretty cool. And I was really overcome by this power of the human spirit. Like I felt it wasn't about me at all. In fact, it was an incredibly humbling moment. It felt like I had somehow stumbled my way into touching this magic that we all have access to if we're just willing to open ourselves up to it. And I got really excited about sharing that. So my, my first way of sharing that was to write a book about the experience. And I would call it a, a, an inspirational memoir. Uh, and I was very honest about you know my past failures. And the book is really about who I had to become in order to be the person who stood on top of Mount Whitney. Uh, so... Um, I would say that's the biggest takeaway is we are all capable of so much more than we think we are, no matter what you've done in your life. Uh, you know, I've, I've done some things in my life that I'm proud of. We've all done that in our own ways. Uh, so no matter where you are on that, explore it more, like push your limits even more. We're all capable of so much more. Don't push your limits because you have to, to be okay. Like that's, that's another thing that really resonated with me through that experience and through the last decade of doing this work is like, you don't have to be or do or achieve anything else to be okay in your skin. You are okay exactly how you are right now. And I would argue there is power in throwing ourselves at hard and uncomfortable things and exploring what we're capable of just because it's fun and it adds to the richness of our lives and we learn about ourselves, right? Like, why are we here? Why am I here? I would say one of the reasons is to just experience life and learn about myself and learn about the world and learn about other people and try things. Uh, and, and I think that's why doing something like this is so valuable. So I, I would say those are the two big things. Uh, but I, I have a little breakaways in, in the footsteps of greatness just kind of like life parables, life lessons that I learned. Um, and there were a lot of them because there are obviously so many parallels between I'm trying to do this hard thing that I've already failed a couple times and I don't know how I'm going to be successful, but I'm going to do my best and I'm going to keep chopping wood and carrying water and keep putting one foot in front of the other and trying to get there and eventually getting there. You know, like that's such a parallel for parenting and for building a business and for going to school and getting a degree. Like it's really a parallel for any hard thing that you can't see the finish line for, which, again, is why I love this stuff, because it's a it's a training ground for life. Yeah, I love that. And I love the like second point that you mentioned, too, about kind of like pushing ourselves to these limits to like make life fun and make life great. Cause you know, when all the lockdowns happened like three years ago now, and everyone was kind of placed in the survival mode, we all kind of lost that. And then when we realized we no longer had to be in survival mode, you know, these are the things that I feel like kind of came out of people. This is how my podcast came to be. This is how a lot of people got into maybe like more of the trail running and stuff, because you realize like, yeah, not only was it hard, but that 
also where the fun came in and all of that. So I love that you're able to kind of like figure that out too. That's a great point. Yeah, the pandemic really squashed a lot of this joy for a lot of us. Like I found, I, w- I was still running and stuff, but I found I was afraid to hope you know, like I'm somebody who really likes to look forward to things. I'll look at my race calendar and I'll look at my travel calendar. Like I, I really try to live in the moment, but I'm also always excited about the 27 things I have planned this year. And uh, during the pandemic, I stopped hoping because those things weren't happening. And if they were supposed to happen, they got canceled. So I got really afraid to let myself get excited about stuff. And after a couple of years, I was like, dude, that's so dumb. That's a really big part of who you are. Whether the pandemic lasts for two years or 20 years, you have to find a way to keep plugging in to hope and excitement and possibility because that's that's why I think that's like a big reason we're here. Um, and those of us that are able to do that better than others can help other people tap into that light. Uh, you know, that's a great part of the human experience. Um So I agree with you. I think that is why being outside is more popular than ever and doing trail racing is more popular than ever and traveling is more popular than ever. I think that's been a nice byproduct of the pandemic is people were like, we're only here once. We have to find the joy and we have to go live life. So yeah, great point. Yeah. Well, I've loved this whole conversation. It's been almost 30 minutes now. Is there any one last piece of advice that you'd like to leave everyone with today? Hmm. Good question. What comes to mind just immediately when you say that is lean into your fear. Like fear is there for a reason. It's your, you know, your past experience trying to keep you safe, but there is great power in noticing that you're afraid and leaning in anyway and seeing what you're made of. You know, I I really believe that life begins at the end of our comfort zones. So the next time you're feeling afraid, acknowledge it and step forward anyway. That's my suggestion. Yes. Well, that's great advice to leave us on. Where can people find you, work with you, your books, all of that? Cool. Yeah. So my books, I have three books. Uh, You can find them on Amazon. Just search my name, Josh Matthew. Uh, You can also find those and other things on my website. I have a 12-week uh, weight loss empowerment program called lose weight, find you that, that is a weight loss program, but it's also about stepping into the strongest version of who you are. You can find information on my website about that and everything else I do. Uh, so that's just joshmathy.com, J O S H M A T H E.com. And then, uh, I am on social media a bit on Instagram and well, I'm on Facebook a lot every day. I'm on Facebook. Um, just Josh Mathy. Awesome. And I will link that all below. Thanks for joining us, Josh. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.